Hey everybody, thanks for checking in again to the lighter side of Serial Killer Podcast here on the Boombastic Media Network. I am your host, Keith Revere. I'm an author and collector of true crime art and memorabilia. If you follow any of my social media pages, you know I like to reach out to those whom the world deems unlovable, specifically violent offenders. I've been in prison aftercare and rehabilitation most of my adult life. Uh, this punishment-minded style prison here in America just does not work. With a recidivism rate, what is recidivism? The chances and odds that someone's going to reoffend once they get out of prison within three to five years. 70% chance. That means they probably are. This punishment-minded negative reinforcement style, you know, by taking things away from them, punish, 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 send them to the hole, solitary confinement, it does not work. My study of psychopaths, one of the first things you read in the most basic book is they are not deterred by punishment. They are not helping matters. Um, in violent offenders in Norway, their recidivism rate is now under 20%. Why? They have solitary confinement. There's punishment up there. But there are more positive reinforcement by encouraging them. When they do good, they reward them. And you say, why are you rewarding psychopaths and violent offenders? Because a lot of them are going to get out. <laughs> That's why. And when they do get out, you want them to be your neighbors twice the monster they were coming in. It might sound, you might say, oh, Keith, you're a broken record. You keep saying this. Yes, and I'm going to keep saying this because our prison system certainly is not rehabilitating anybody. Now, there's certainly one or two facilities that do, uh, specifically North Dakota. Why? Because they went to Norway. <laughs> now, they're following their system. Uh, if you read my book, The Story of You, who we're going to be talking to today, you Masaki himself. In that book on recidivism, I talked to uh, the warden at Holden Prison in Norway. And he gives me wonderful insight of that facility. Uh, the local businesses there... Uh, visit the facility, build relationships, start building bridges to these guys, men and women, because when they do get out, they already have these relationships built. They have a job waiting for them. It's community-minded. Even walking across, I want to call it a street, but walking across the lawn uh, to go to schooling kind of gives them uh, a sense of going to work. Uh, there's no locks on the doors. You know, they cook their own food. When they do good things, they get rewarded. Uh, they're even the guards there, this is the most amazing thing. Here in American prisons, uh, if you want to be a security guard, they're jacked up, beefed up, weapons training, self-defense training. You know what they're not trained in? Counseling. If you want to be a prison guard in Norway, you have to take classes on counseling, communications. Now, it sounds a little sounds a little weird, right? Because every prison movie you've seen and documentary you've seen, it's, it's you know, first of all, if you know anything about prison, it's a different world. It's a different life. If you're an inmate, you're not allowed to talk to the security guards. This is the inmate rule. Other than like a few, maybe a few words to get across some information, if you talk too long to them, you're considered a snitch. And you can be taken out because they're going to think you're a snitch. What are you doing talking to him or talking to her? It's just different mindset. It's a different world. No one's getting rehabilitated. So that's why I'm uh, waving my flag for rehabilitation uh, change. Uh, and today with Yumasaki, um, we're going to be talking a little bit about brain abnormalities. That's part of my book is brain abnormalities, how they can take a normal person and turn them into a violent offender. Uh, with Yumasaki, uh, Asperger's autism. If you know anything about Asperger's, um, certain on the autism spectrum disorder, it's labeled a few different things. Now they call it a few different things. Um, one, I don't know if you want to call it a side effect, but one of the uh, conditions, if you will, uh, of Asperger's is you can't read people. 
And what I mean by read people, if you're talking to somebody and looking in your in your eyes and you're engaged to them and are nodding what you're saying and oh yeah, you, you, you can see they're into what you're saying. If the person you're talking to is not looking at you in the eyes, looking straight down on their phone, scrolling on their phone, looking away, they're not into it. You stop talking. They're they're completely uninterested. Well, you Masaki, part of his brain, it does not it doesn't work like that. When his brain is functioning as the way it does, he cannot pick up on those things. Now, when a girl he's attracted to is not giving him the signals that she's into him, he does not pick up on that. She might look up and smile once, in like a, the two minutes she wasn't looking at him, that one little smile convinces him that she's into him. Uh, and obviously, if you know the story, um, if you're a true crime fan like I am, if you listen to this podcast, you're probably a true crime fan. If you have watched uh, my, one of my favorite TV shows, Signs of a Psychopath, I believe season three, episode one, called I Am Strange. Uh, it's you Masaki's episode. Um, now, most of it's just the police interrogation. Not so much an interrogation. He pretty much came out right out and said what he did uh, with the murder. Um, Maggie McCombs uh, and, and JC, you know, the guy uh, that she was dating, shot them both up uh, out, out front of the gym that they were at. Um, so most of the episode is just him in that police room talking to, I guess, the female detective, explaining some things about his life. You read my book. It's very detailed. Uh, I spent over a year or so, year and a half, talking to him uh, over the phone, getting all of his background, talking to his mother, all the background that I need. It's an ama- I mean, it's a movie. I mean, this book is legit a movie. Uh, I hope you guys uh, pick it up. But part of uh, his issue, his abnormality in his brain, it's not like I'm making excuses at all, just kind of give you some insight um, of him not being able to read the signs that Maggie McCombs was not into him. Uh, and you, you get, I give much more detail in my book. We don't have a short amount of time on the podcast to get into that. Uh, but he just can't read those signs. He doesn't have that kind of communication skills with Asperger's, let alone growing up with um, abuse. I asked him one time, what was the happiest moment you remember having? And he couldn't think of any. The only thing he thought of that he answered a question on Jeopardy correct once, and his dad gave him a little pat on the back. That was it. That's the only positive memory he remembered having. Uh, so that's the level of abuse that he had. And, and just being uh, someone with Asperger's, not knowing, growing up in Colombia and Japan, uh, especially Japan, his mother didn't speak Japanese and the father was abusive and held a lot of things from her. Um, all through childhood, uh, childhood and schooling, he was abused and he mostly didn't go to school at all because of the abuse other kids would give him because he was just um, socially inept because they don't know how to treat somebody with autism. Um, so that's gives us a little taste of it. Uh, but let's get into you, Masaki, and my conversation with him. Um, so first, we asked you, where was it that you first saw Maggie McCombs? First, I was talking to her, but uh, she was she was talking to somebody who was working there before. Like she got, uh, he was working in a gym, working as a as an employee, and then one day she told me that uh, she was dating him. So, uh, I thought, okay, well. I guess I had to move on or something. And then sometime around December, I found her and I asked her how, how is she doing with the, uh, the, the dude. And she said she, say she is not seeing him anymore, thing like that. So I started talking back to her again. And then that, that's all happened in the December. I met her like in the summer initially. I started talking back to her like in the December, winter. Now you said you were talking to her, um, but you guys actually have conversations, like a back and forth dialogue, kind of building up a friendship? Yeah, she talked to me like, uh, I remember a moment like, 
you you know that machine that you you move the like a pedal kind of thing and you on the, your hand you 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 standing well we are talking and uh, we're next to each other um, she's on one machine and i'm on the, the machine right next to it you know there's a tv in the gym while you you are doing your exercise and there's on tv there's woman at the hospital and i thought that she was having surgery or something and she said no she's having a baby and i blurted out that i want to have a, a kid i want to have four, four two boys and two girls and then she she was smiling she she kind of smiled but she was kind of hold on to a smile or i don't know how to say but something that i remember one day i talked to her i well, i don't remember exactly detail but I, I, I give her a hug one time but from the side because I don't want just hug from the front because I don't want to uh, touch her breast like that so I, I, I hug I give her a hug but from the side now I read in the court transcripts you got her a few gifts uh, is that true and uh, what were they and uh, I gave her uh, two necklaces she says that in the deposition that they did it on her lawyers and her, and I think her mother was next to her, and she says she threw away the first necklace but kept the, the second one. First one I bought in a Target. It was golden, golden uh, necklace with mm-hmm. heart, little heart, and then came with the red box. And when I when I saw her in the uh, the gym, she was on the machine. Uh, I was talking to her while she was working. I'm behind her, but I, tr- I, I try not to look at her body, but I, I try to not focus on that, but something that I just remember, you know, like I'm trying to be respectful. Well, well, I was talking to her, and I wanted to give her the thing. She said she doesn't want it. And then I remember her birthday, I think it's in December 26th. I don't know the year, but I wrote that down on the top of the box and left that uh, a cup. Each machine has a cup. That you can put like Gatorade and stuff. So she had her uh, purse and thing like that. I just put it put it there. I guess she threw it away. On the next uh, chain I bought was at the Walmart. It's a uh, I think it's a Sapphire. It's the purse and birth a stone for uh, Capricorn. I'm a Capricorn myself, and uh, her she's Capricorn. So I I felt that like something special. I mean. Anybody could be Capricorn, but I don't know. I, I bought there and I went to a, some store called, in, I don't know if it's in New Jersey, but it's Joanne. It's a, a crafters. And then I, I picked a pink ribbon. And then uh, the, the cashier, she helped me. She know she know how to tie the ribbon in a, a knife down. She made a knife and then, uh, I gave it to her. I walked up to her. I didn't say anything. I just put the, the box on the gallery and I just walked away. So you just left the gift on the machine and walked away? Yes. And I, I made a note. I think I, I wrote the, the Sapphire is for Capricorn or something like that, talking about the stone, explaining what it is. And the next time I saw the cashier, uh, she asked me if, if these things work out. I said, no, it didn't work out. Now you left the gift and walked away, but um, I mean, did you want to talk to her again at that point? Maggie? Yes, I, I intend to talk to her, but at that time, uh, she was already upset with me because I, she doesn't want me around. 
So she, she changed because it's my fault that uh, I was kind of fussy. I don't know how that's how I say it, but uh, I, I got upset because she, she doesn't uh, give me attention. She just want to keep working. I One day I, I wrote a note and she saw it and she 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 uh, she looked at it. Then she just kept walk, start walking. I picked, the, picked the, the notes and then squashed it in front of her face and threw it in a, uh, in a trash can. Mm-hmm. That's when she doesn't want me around. She was nice before that, but I, I got carried carried away uh, with emotion. So I started buying the necklace because I want forgiveness. Now, I believe you said also around this time... Um you were asked not to come back to the gym anymore. Basically, got kicked out of the gym. Well, was that correct? And uh, what was the reason for that? Well, it's because I was kind of uh, acting out or acting on, or I don't know how to say it, but was, I was very upset. Now, did you ever think to yourself, you know, that she's not the one for you? And, you know, just start looking for somebody else to date? I, I was looking for a different woman. I was telling that if I found somebody, I'll forget Maggie. But I, I, I was started thinking about uh, doing something to her because I don't want nobody else to have uh, kids with her. Her gene was very important to me because she's beautiful. And I think I wanted her gene, to have my kids to have her gene. Now, was this about the same time she started dating JC? She, she's dating. I saw her kissing and hugging. And I don't know how, how far they went. Uh, uh, she was saying, I was one day in the, in the, in the gym, and I, 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 I saw the first time she talked to her. Now, once you decided that, uh, you know, she was dating JC, um, you kind of gave up on, you know, trying to find somebody else, and you said, if I can't have her, nobody could have her. What was kind of going on in your mind? Obviously, uh, was it that the point you decided, uh, you know, I'm going to have to kill her? You felt rejected? Yes, I, I, I would look at the same way. Well, at least that's how I felt. I think I was hopeless with her. Uh, I don't think I have ever a chance. Or, like, they were saying that I didn't say anything before uh, at the shooting. But I was like, it's too late. I, uh, uh, I'm here to here for shooting. I'm not here to talk. When I read the deposition, well, like, I mean, I understand uh, to say something. We could have been talked to some, we come to some agreement instead of shooting. Mm-hmm. But I, I wasn't in the state of mind to uh, negotiate. Now, you told me before you actually visited her house. Um, did, she, did she invite you there before, or how did you know where she lived? I just, I just followed her truck, and uh, that's how I find out where she lives. And uh, I, I talked to her father, and uh, what well, I said, Maggie in the gym. I told him what's going on. 
Mm-hmm. When Gigi calmed down, she was she didn't say more than just she's not here. But at the end, she he he still says she's not here, but his tone went down. Yeah, well, but that that was not mentioned in the court. Uh, he was in the court. He was saying that uh, I I tried to go into the house. Uh, I, I don't think I not that not that I remember. Maybe I looked looked to his side just from where I was standing. I mean I was curious where she lives, just simple curiosity. I, I didn't intend to uh, enter his house without the permission. I just I just wanted to know where she lives. Now was it true that the same day that you shot her was the same day that you bought the gun? No, that's not true. I had the gun for for a while. I shot the gun in the air four times in different occasions because the slider was hard. So I went back to uh, the shop. I said, this, this, the slider is very hard. They told me if I shoot a couple of times, it will, it will lose, loosen up. So I, I, in different occasions, different areas, different day, I shot in total like four times in the air. So I, 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 was, I was getting prepared for the day. But that's not, it didn't happen immediately. That's why they say uh, I was premeditated. So talk about that night, you know, the night that uh, JC and Maggie uh, came out of the gym where they were shot. Uh, what was that day like for you? Um, you know, maybe take us from when you pulled up into the, into the parking lot. Uh, as, the, as the time goes by and the, the different cars drive away from the parking lot, I was getting nervous because I had uh, one thing in purpose. So one of my purpose, I was nervous. I was Shaking and I moved around uh, my my car in different part of the parking lot. And but uh, well, I guess lucky because they were saying that there was no security on the weekend because the, the company wanted to save money. I guess so they didn't have the security. They even say that uh, there was no light. You can see you can see. Uh, they were saying it was, the lawyer was saying it was pitch black, right? Impossible. The freeway is right there. The fo- anyway, the freeway is right there. Okay. All is right there. The light is everywhere, even sure. if there was no light in the park. Well, I waited, and four people came out. Maggie, JC, and a woman and a man. There's a Jeep and a red car. I don't know which, which one was JC's car, but uh, well, they hugged, they kissed, and I, I get off. Uh, my car, I, I kept the, the engine running and I didn't close the door because I didn't want it to make a noise. I, I wanted to have the car immediately available to drive off, so I didn't turn off or close the door. I woke up, I had uh, the, the hoodie with a jeeper, and I had my gun in the in one of the pockets, on the, on the stomach pocket, and I woke up with them. And Maggie uh, noticed me, and she broke out of the, the hugging embrace. Yeah, she was like, what's going on, like, kind of. And then I guess she told, she said something, but then she turned around. That's when I uh, pulled out uh, the gun from the pocket and aimed at the JC first. I, I shifted the gun away from his face. So first shot, he missed. Uh, if, I, if I kept the, the, the gun in the sight, He's facing the side. Mm-hmm. I might have got him in the first shot, 
Yeah. But I, I kept it away from his face, so that's why I think he, he went just straight away uh, in the air. I wasn't really shoot, trying to shoot him. So I don't I don't know why I shifted. Don't know why I shifted. And then JC JC yelled at her to run. That's what I heard. Run. And then we all three three of us started running. Then two cars parked to uh, side by side. So JC went between those cars, and then Maggie went around her jeep. And then I started running. I I running in her direction. So JC said run, and then three of us run. And then JC went between the two cars to the front of the jeep, and Maggie went to the front of the jeep around by around around her jeep. So they they both meet at the front. So I don't know what happened at this moment because they could have they could have run away if they kept running. I don't know. I guess they start talking. Trying to figure out what's going on, they they stopped because when I reached by when I was her side of the car on the passenger side, they were still standing. And then really? when JC noticed, that, uh, JC noticed. Well, I guess they were panicked. So I guess they couldn't think straight. When JC saw me, she running back where she was. So he he went between the car again. I had a feeling that he said that the scene. Well, he he ran away from her. Well, I don't want very talk bad about him. Maybe he thought that my target was him, not her. So JC ran off and didn't stay with her. No, he didn't stay with her. He he just run. Yeah, it's kind of hard because he didn't have nothing. I had a gun. I guess uh, I don't want I don't want to talk shit about him. Well, anyway, he he went the same direction. He went back to. But I I made a shoot at him. I was I shoot over the the road and then I wasn't paying attention. So I just I my focus on I I put my focus on Maggie. Maggie was astounded, like her eyes open. So she was looking at what happened to JC. I wasn't really thinking what JC about JC. So I, I stared at her. I glared at her, and she looked back. She was looking at the JC. I, I, JC, I can't see what's going on with JC after the shot. I, my, my, my eyes were on her, and then she, she, she turned her face and looked at me. And she realized that she, she needs to run. Now, I remember you said she was really fast, and she almost got away from you. Uh, she was, she was losing me with running, so I, I shot her. Uh, while I'm running too. And then he seemed to me like the shot hit her and then throw her into the air. There's a little elevation in the parking lot where the grass is at and then it's at some division in the parking lot. So she, I guess she stepped there. I don't know what happened, but when so she, she's kind of uh, thrown away in the, into the air and she uh, when she hit the ground, uh, she rolled maybe one or two times, and so she was face up, her back was on the ground. I heard on the documentary um, on Signs of a Psychopath TV show um, that you actually called it uh, a lucky shot because she was so far away and she was running so fast away from you. I guess you could say, well, we could, I could say that because she was distant, far away. Because she was, she, she lose to me on the running. I mean, so she, she, she's on the ground. And then I stand right by her, her side. And she was, she, she didn't say, she's, her eyes were closed, but she's uh, holding the pain. Oh, I mean, I mean, she was feeling pain. I don't know, like, in, in Japanese, you could say, gaman. Gaman is when uh, holding back or, or you are. And 
but I believe you shot her a few more times. It wasn't just the one shot. Uh, I think it was the other shots that paralyzed her, right? Yes. Yeah, I shot the second one. Yeah, I, I shot her. That's when he hit the spine or on the neck or whatever he hit. So she, uh, her, her, her limbs got uh, uh, loosened. Well, I don't know how to say it, but she... Anyway, that, I thought she, she died right there. So that, that, at the moment, I was, that's why my, my belief, I, I thought she's dead. Now, I know directly after that, you went uh, right to the diner, or a diner. Um, what were you feeling emotionally at that point? Because uh, I know you were actually talking to the waitress for a while there, too. Um, did she notice anything, or how were you feeling? Well, I was nervous. I think I was nervous, too, because the waitress noticed that. She asked me, are you okay? Like, I think my, my, my face was white. So you can tell that I'm not really right, because the waitress talked to me. She she. I, I asked my usual tray, uh, right? and then she sat in front of me and then started talking to me. That's how she initially talked to me. Are you okay? I think my lips could be purple. What were you guys talking about? Mm, well, we talk about writing. She has roommates, and she was telling me, uh, talking to me, and then uh, I guess I changed the topic, and I guess she doesn't want to talk to me no more. Now, obviously, you ended up going back home. Um, how soon after that did the, the cops come, come knocking at the door? Things happened around like uh, 7 or 8. I think they came up like uh, 5 a.m. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what time. Did you get any sleep that night? Yeah, I actually slept. Now, was one of those, uh, was it like one of those scenes from the movies where the cop just kicks in your door and says, you know, get face down? Or um, how did it all go down? No, I opened the door. They were already now obviously you had your gun on you. Um, was there? Did it come a point where you thought about pulling it on them? They attacked me before that. But did you? You still had the gun on you, right? I know you try to get rid of some of the evidence, but uh, but I believe you still had the gun. Um, or did you um, get rid of it before they came? I had it on me, like they say, but the uh, the order is different. Yeah, the events. The, they kicked me first, then they found it. I remember reading the transcripts where they kicked you, but it didn't also get the butt of the gun and, and smash your head in. That's kind of where you got that, uh, where most of the blood came from. No, the first hit was uh, well that, and then I got second hit. I got scar on my head, and then I couldn't do nothing. But uh, I, I guess I somehow moved away from them. I don't really remember, but I was I, I lived in efficiency. Then on the kitchen area, there's a like like a wood kind of floor. The living area. Just carpet. I know I was on the carpet when they, the two of them were on top of me. I was face down, my stomach on the carpet. I know I remember because uh, it hurt, so I wanted to uh, shift the weight, but they put more weight on it. And then they, one of them got uh, the thing. No they, they found it in my waistband or the belt, whatever. So you really didn't have a chance to pull your gun anyway? No, they just jumped on me. So without asking you anything, they basically jumped you once you opened the door. Sure, it could have been your brother, too, and your brother looks a lot like you. Um, obviously, the, the documentary um, on signs of a psychopath, I mean, how do you view yourself? I mean, especially right after killing uh, and then right after you got arrested, what were you feeling at the time? And kind of how do you view yourself? I know you've been studying your mind for a while, and guys like David Eagleman and other books uh, on neurology uh, and neuroscience. So how do you kind of, how do you feel then? Kind of how do you feel about yourself now? I think, Neuroactivities change 
mostly anger. And uh, at, the, at the end of the scene, I, I, I was really nervous. I don't know if I'm a psychopath or not, but uh, I don't think I am. Well, there you go. A little bit of my conversation with you, Masaki. Uh, I would have really encouraged you to check out my book, The Story of You. I promise you some of the stories about his life and who told me will just blow you away, um, especially after once he got the gun. Um, he wanted to run Maggie and her father off of the road, drive a tractor trailer through their house. You heard noise outside of his apartment, rustling noises in the leaves. He went out there to shoot the person who was out there. It was just a cable guy trying to fix something. Um, it's, it's amazing. I tell you, it's going to blow your mind. Uh, so thank you, everybody, uh, for tuning into another episode. I'm sure we're going to hear from more from you, Masaki, down the line. Uh, we got a lot of great stuff coming up. Again, it's the only podcast with a serial killer is called The Show. Now, it's the lighter side of serial killers, although it was a little bit of a dark episode. I guess you got to keep everybody happy. <laughs> uh, but thanks again, everybody. Uh, remember, every Thursday evening, a new episode drops. So thanks again. See ya. See ya.